Welcome to Reception Insider. My name is Cathy Back and I'm the Tasmania Faculty Manager of the RACGP. And I'm Anne Davis with RACGP, New South Wales and ACT. The topic for today is Criterion 2.3 of Standard 2 of the RACGP standards and it is the topic of accessibility of services. Cathy, this is quite an important criterion, partly because we need to comply with the Disability Discrimination Act 1992 and amended in 2009. And we need to ensure that people that do have a disability or any special needs can access the practice and its services in ways that ensure that they're actually able to maintain their dignity. So if we have a look at this criterion, there are a number of things that we need to consider. And we're putting it all under access, thinking all patients, including those with a disability or other special needs, must be able to easily and safely physically access the practices, premises and services. So if we have a thinking about that physical access, we can do that a few ways. And this is where, as a receptionist, your practice manager will have arranged all this. You might be the one that are telling the practice patients how they might access the practice. So things like making sure that there are pathways that are wheelchair friendly, but also hallways, consultation areas and toilets. Nothing more embarrassing than have someone in a wheelchair that just can't negotiate the space. And also having a wheelchair that patients can use while they're at the practice. So having a wheelchair that they know, okay, I'm only coming in for a short period. I can have my carer come and grab that wheelchair and it means I don't have to get my wheelchair out of the car. Other things are like installing appropriate ramps and railings. So if you can let the patients know, yep, when you arrive, there's a ramp, it's in the middle or it's on the side, letting patients know where they are. And for those that are a little bit unstable on the feet, just letting them know that there's railings that are going to help them as well. So your practice may also have, you know, pictures, signs, and probably other sources of information to help patients that perhaps may have a intellectual disability or a vision impairment. And Cathy, can I say, my sight's not as good as it used to be. I quite like the pictures and the signs in that <laughs> format. Uh, but also those that are not fluent in English. So many of us now have populations that don't have English as their first language. And, you know, they might be going well with English, but sometimes those visual imageries, those signs, those pictures really do make things that little bit more easy understood. That's exactly right, Anne. And I think there's other ways that we can help to improve the non-physical access for patients with disability or special needs. By doing things like using technology, both the existing technology that we have and new technology as it comes online, to give patients access to telehealth or video conferencing consultations if they're unable to get into the practice or if they live a long distance from the practice and they don't have transport easily to the practice. And particularly in the pandemic, patients who are unwell or have respiratory symptoms you know, they can use those forms of consultation as well. And also, occasionally patients can request a home visit if that's something that your practice will provide. I know some practices have doctors who will do the odd home visit, or some of them will have nurse practitioners who sometimes do home visits as well. So those kinds of things are important. 
And I think, Kathy, that that's where the receptionist is quite critical to ensure that the patients know that these sort of services are available. And even with telehealth or video conferencing, you know, some patients might be a little bit hesitant and that's where the receptionist has a really valuable role in just creating that space where the patient actually feels comfortable with that sort of communication with the practice itself. Yes, I would think that that's really important. The other thing I think that's important is to make sure that your patients have accessible parking. I think where it's possible for you to do so, it's great to have a parking bay that's specifically marked for people with disability. You need to have those parking bays wide enough to accommodate the loading and unloading of wheelchairs. So I think just it's being conscious of the needs of your patients at all times and all patients, patients with disability and difficulties just as much as everyone else. Something that I've only seen a little bit of in practice, but I know it's increasing, is some patients have an assistance animal. So I'm not just talking about the guide dog. We've seen them around for a long time, but there are an increasing, and I think it's fabulous, range of assistance animals. And of course, there are some patients that will want and perhaps sometimes will need to have them with them during a visit to the practice. So these are very specifically trained disability support animals, and they really enable a person with a disability to safely participate in all their life activities, both their personal and public ones. And I think it's really important that we remember that these animals, they're working animals, they're they're not pets. That's correct. They're not just a little fluffy dog in someone's handbag that's coming into the consultation. (laughs) So under the Disability Discrimination Act, there are a number of criteria that enables us to determine that an animal is an assistance animal. So let's look at some of these. So the first one is that it's accredited under a state or territory law to assist a person with a disability to alleviate the effects of that disability. So Anne, that could be something like a PTSD dog for a war veteran, yes, as well as a guide dog or, you know, those kinds of things. People with epilepsy, diabetes, I've heard of that a lot. And also it is accredited by an animal training organisation and that's prescribed in the regulations. But I think that accreditation of the animal is quite important. And the next criteria is that it's a train to assist a person with a disability to actually alleviate the effects of that disability. Also, it needs to meet the standards of hygiene and behaviour that are appropriate for an animal in a public place. So those criteria are really useful to understand. So when we're thinking about assistance animals, they may support patients that have a variety of disabilities, such as they're blind or have low vision. The person might have a hearing deficit. The person might be deaf or be hard of hearing. They might actually require physical support for mobility or for other functional tasks. They may experience episodic or serious medical crises. And the sorts of things might be epilepsy, changes in blood pressure, or even blood sugar, as we're aware of. Or the patient may experience psychiatric disorders such as post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, hallucinations, panic attacks or suicidal ideation. So under the Disability Discrimination Act, all assistance dogs are guaranteed access to all public areas in Australia. So with this indicator, 
our patients with disability or special needs can access our services, what sort of things should the practice be looking at? And I guess, how can the receptionist help, Cathy? Yes, for sure. Well, there are several things that you can do. So you must make sure that you have physical infrastructure and processes that enable patients with disabilities or special needs to access your services. So again, it's the space of the walkways, the pathways, the parking, all those kinds of things. And make sure that you have good access for disability parking. So you could use pictures on signs to help patients with intellectual disability or visual impairment. You could provide a transport service to help patients who cannot otherwise get to the practice. And there are things like community transport that can help with this. So you should be able to have a list of possibilities for transport. Taxis, communities, transport, all those sorts of things are great. And then provide home visits or telehealth consultations for patients who are unable to leave their home. Excellent. So you've run through the musts and then the coulds. And I think that's, again, the receptionist just understanding how we support those people. So that brings us to the end of this podcast, Cathy. So to our receptionist, thank you. Thank you for doing what you do.